You're listening to Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Partner Perspectives. I'm Eric Doherty, Senior Technical Partner Manager for the Northeast U.S. Today, we're going to talk about Veeam support. I'm joined by two members of our customer support team, Colin Gardner, Senior Manager of Support Operations in the Americas, and Todd Hudson, Team Leader and Customer Support Generalist in the Americas. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, nice to be here. Yep, absolutely. Yep, and it was uh, so you guys are in the Columbus office, and uh, which is great. So that's yeah, just to give people an idea of where you are. You're in the you know the center of the U.S. Basically, I guess it's closer closer to the center than I am, being in the Pennsylvania area. But uh, you guys are just making it back to the office. I see. You know, the, one of you is at the office, and one of you is at home, which also proves the point that as long as you can get internet and phone, you can do these jobs just about anywhere. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about a few specific things today, because uh, I think especially as our products have grown in not only popularity, but in complexity, support's become a very important thing. And in July, we made some changes to how customers engage with our support teams. And with all that change, I'm sure there's some resistance because there always is change equals resistance from people. But for those that have not, we'll talk a little bit about that, that resistance, if there was any. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. But can you explain what the changes that we made were for the folks that have not had this, uh, contact support recently? Yeah, so basically, we we have this really cool portal where you can submit cases, and it knows who you are, and it knows what you have license to. And so um, a lot of people were calling in directly to Veeam, and that's still a, a core value that you can always just call in. But we noticed that on these phone cases, they were taking a lot longer than the portal cases. Um, and it makes sense. Like when you call in and we don't know who you are, we have to like spell your email and like get what products you have licensed to, figure out what the issue is, start the log upload process. And the portal does all of that basically instantly. And so when we noticed that, we started to run some tests and we ran a pilot eventually in Europe uh, to see if we basically made it so that you have to have a case open on the portal first, and then you just type in the case number when you call in. Not only were we saving that time, but we could do more accurate routing to get you right to the direct person and the right specialty department for your product and customer type. And so what have you seen happen with that? Because I think it's a great idea because, you know, the, first off, having a name that's not, you know, last name that's not phonetically spelled. Uh, I totally appreciate yeah, sure. the not getting your name spelled correctly in the email queue. And then you sit there for 25 minutes waiting for an email that's never coming. Um, so what, what have you seen as the results of this in the U.S. Uh, as far as opening cases, case closures, case efficiencies? Yeah, so the biggest difference is that um, it just doesn't take nearly as long to get to a person. Um, this is a lot of customers' initial concern when we talk about the change is that they're like, I want to be able to just call in and get to someone right away, and we want that too. And so we've noticed that talk times, like the, not really talk time, but like time to get to engineer, like hold times, have gone down by a lot, like maybe 12 or 13 minutes on average they've gone down. Um, most people are waiting around just a minute or two to get to somebody. Whereas if you called during a kind of peak time uh, in the past, it would be pretty busy. You could take 10 minutes or more, uh, which is something we didn't want. Um, and it seemed like no matter how much staff we threw at it, those talk times kind of remained. And so 
the using the technological automations that the portal offers by just forcing it to you just open a case there real quick it could take as little as 30 seconds and then you call in give us your case number uh, it also stopped people from getting to the wrong person which causes lots of delays right they're getting to the wrong department or they pick an option for a product that is related to their problem but not the actual issue since the portal knows what products you're licensed to and your exact customer type um, it can get you exactly to where you need to go right away it allows us to do kind of advanced routing that that sounds great um because I, I I think it's an interesting point that you brought up that talking to someone does not necessarily mean you're closer to getting your case resolved. Because hmm. um, I think the people have a tendency to be like, I'm talking to somebody. It's like it's like activity without productivity, right? Um, you know. So I think that that's um, I, I think that's a distinct a distinction that needs to be made. Um, Todd, and we've also seen, sorry to interrupt. Problem. Yeah, we've also seen resolution imp improvements too. So it's not just time to get to engineer, but these cases are in general resolving faster. Um, we are getting to the solution faster. And part of that is that we're starting the case with a lot more. We're starting with logs basically already uploaded. We're starting with your description ready to go instead of having you kind of dictate it to us. Um, it's just well, really I've seen quick. it take 24 hours to get those logs turned around sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, just looking at case histories myself when I get, you know, look at them for customers and partners. So anything that gets the logs uploaded faster, I think makes the entire case go faster, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We're just yeah. starting with all the information we need. We can laser right in on the problem. Yeah, and Todd, with your team, because it's not you know your team's kind of the the frontline group. You get that first level of calls. Um, what are you? How are you seeing it? Is it more, um, you know, the call that the support issues are more better spelled out as you get into them, or is it you know because there's less feeling out, or is it helping? Is it helping the sanity of your team? Because I know that support is a tough job and uh, anything that can be done to to make it easier is obviously a benefit. So what are you seeing in there? Yeah, absolutely. And and to Colin's point, one of the things that I've been um, you know telling people as to why we did it is, you know, it, it helps reduce that first five minutes of calls, right? And to your point again of if you have a name that's not easily spelled or an email address that's not, you know, first dot last it can be really frustrating to call in and someone says, okay, you know, uh, what's your name? What's your phone number? Which account are you with? Who are you calling in about? Are you a service provider? Is this for an end user? Is this for your internal? Uh, what product are you dealing with? Is it a situation that you need somebody else attached, right? So we can eliminate all of that just immediately. And somebody calls in and it just goes directly to the person who owns a case if they're available even. So you get somebody that not only has read the case, they either have reviewed logs or they know the situation. So if you call in, you're presumably, if everything lines up right, you know, of course, people could be out of the office or something or on lunch, let's say. But if you call in, you're going to get somebody that knows the situation as soon as they pick up the phone. So they already know who you are. They know who's calling. They know what the issue is. And they have probably already looked at it and have a game plan in process. And that's that's a huge point to make, because I think that one of the people's biggest fears when you use an online portal is that it's a black hole. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that that's if there's if there's a takeaway we can make from all this is that this is not a black hole. It's a solid step one. And if people want to wait and have, you know, make I guess if they still want to make their call online, say, call me back at this number and wait for the call back, they can do that. Or if they really, you know, are hair on fire concerned about this, they need to, and they need to call in, they can do that too. 
either way is acceptable, but it's, it's really about making sure that the, it's not a black hole. Go ahead, Colin. Yeah. The, the other thing is that, yeah, like you said, you can call in right away after you submit the case. You don't have to wait for us to get back to you. Um, we're happy to do that, but we also have a call you back system. So if there are people who are waiting on hold, when you call in, you could just press a button and it will give you the option to call you back when there's an engineer available. Um, this option is being used a lot less than it used to be because now people are mostly getting to engineers very quickly. But yeah, if you don't want to wait, you got stuff to do. You got a bunch of different hats you're wearing. We get that and we want to try to accommodate for that. Now, here's a question for, I'm sorry, go ahead, Todd. Oh, no, I was, I was just agreeing. Like, <laughs> and just circling back again, because I, I really want to hit those numbers. The time it takes to get somebody through to hold is a heck of a lot lower when we already have all this situated in the system. So even to that, we have a callback feature, but typically you're only on hold a minute or two. Now, so on that system, on the, on the callback system, because I like those systems myself for exactly why you said, mm -hmm. um, does that system allow you, I guess you could schedule a call through the portal. So you don't have to worry about scheduling a callback at that point. So you sure. Could, if you've you got a specific call, time, call me at 3 PM Eastern or something, if you wanted to. Yeah. If you're looking for a specific time, you can always put that in your ticket and yeah. uh, we'll try to find availability for that. But if you want to call in now and then not wait on hold, we can offer that as well. It's yeah. uh, yeah. whatever That's you want terrific. to do. That's terrific. So we've we've covered how to uh, how to open that ticket, um, but I guess the even better thing that we need to talk about is when to when to open that ticket. Under what parameters should we do that? Because there's especially being such a channel led and partner led environment. There's that. Is this something that the partner should be helping with? Is it something that should a support case should be opened or should we call the partner first? And then if they get stumped, open a case. And then what's that look like? So uh, run me through what it should look like, because I know that the, I've noticed that when I get involved sometimes in cases, it's things that I feel at times the partner should be helping with first. Or sure. it's because it's either something in an eval of a new part of the product that they're not using yet, or it's um, you know, completely evaluation license or the, or the partner's not even aware that support's been called and the partner should be involved. So yep. run me through what your thoughts are on that guys. Well, so, uh, first of all, as far as technical cases go, um, support is mostly focused on being break fix. If there's an issue, if there's a problem, if there's performance, if there's like something that needs to be resolved, that's what we're here to do. Um, and I actually think that there, there's probably a lot of partner opportunities outside of that too. It's like the support policy is pretty clear that we don't walk you through installs or upgrades and that best practices and things like that, basically professional services, is not within the purview of support. But I think that's a huge opportunity for partners because there is a desire um, for some of those managed services or for some of those handholds. And it's like, I think that that is something that partners could use to sell to customers um, if they want to. As far as who should open the case, I think it's about uh, what the partner is comfortable with. You know, it's like, uh, as long as they have direct support through us, uh, that their customers can come get support. Uh, or the partner can open it on their behalf. And I know that there's different situations that are appropriate for both of those. And we're, we're kind of set up to do both. So take me through that you brought up a good point, opening on behalf. And I think that's one of the biggest things that gets missed. That's another top point that I find myself getting involved. Um, so I've, when I, people ask me often, what I've seen, I'll give you a scenario and it's probably one that's gonna say, yeah, I've seen this a thousand times. 
customer has an issue. They call the partner. Partner realizes they need to open a ticket. Mm-hmm. Partner is not affiliated in any way with the customer's account. So they call and they open a ticket. And because they don't own the product, it gets opened as an eval license for whatever product it is they're calling in about, which immediately does what to that pri- the severity of that case, Todd? So an eval comes in under the best efforts, right? Under the support policy. And jumping off that, I want to immediately, 2211, KV 2211. It is the case administrator. It was designed almost specifically for that situation where if you are the owner of an entitlement and you have a support partner or service provider, somebody's acting on your behalf, you can go in there, set them up as a case admin. They can open cases in your name and off they go, right? So you can talk to your um, provider and say, uh, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'll give you the keys to the car and you can take care of it, do everything you need to. Uh, we can even add that end user as a CC on the case. So at least they're being notified so they can be in the discussion. But if the support partner or service provider is the one doing all the work, give them case admin rights and they take it from there. Another thing that is possible here is that um, if you are the selling partner, like you actually are the reseller for this particular customer, um, you can use KB2836. Uh, so beam.com slash KB2836, um, which is for partner admin. And so what this would give you is the ability to open up cases for your customers through the ProPartner portal, uh, just to have a kind of single pane of glass to be able to open up cases on their behalf. Uh, And once it's approved by the customer, you have the ability to do that. Now, if you aren't the reselling partner, that's fine. You can use the case admin system through KB2211, like Todd was mentioning. Um, But yeah, we have some kind of flexibility there if you need to be the point of contact on that. We want to try to help you to do that. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, evaluation cases, yeah, you you don't want to use them if it's not actually eval. Um, If you need access to your licenses, please open a license case. Evaluation cases do have SLAs, um, and uh, they are similar to basic support cases, but you might be paying for more than that, and we want to make sure you're getting all that you're paying for. Yeah. And support partners for that with resellers, it's all done through ProPartner. So if you use that natively and you're watching people's renewals anyways, and you're lining up for that, uh, it is a, a heck of a lot easier to then segue into support cases through the ProPartner portal. So case admins all done through my.veam.com, support partners all done through ProPartner, whichever one you're using natively, that's the easiest way. That's great. And in and, and, and the case I know of my partners, they're on ProPartner all the time, or at least they should be. Um, getting information and taking training and things like that. So um, that's good to know. And that's that's really something I, I'll drive it home again. Pro Partner has just about everything you need, folks. Um, so if you're going there, you're going to find what you need. If you can't find it, you can ask. But nine times out of ten, we're going to start there. Um, those are those are really important things to remember. Um, and okay. another thing, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was trying to jump in. <laughs> uh, so with that, what, what Colin said is is exactly dead on as well. If you do not have access to a license or you feel like you don't have the right number, you need to know the customer's information, make a licensing case, make a general case. That's my team. That's our domain. Uh, there is no requirement to have active support or anything to make one of those cases. All you need is a my.theme.com account. And you can generate it and say, I'm the provider for this customer. How do I do this scenario that I want to do? 
and we can walk you through that. Typically, it needs the approval of the end user anyways, so we can add them as a CC and say, hey, this person's trying to open a case in your name. You have to do this for them. And that's easy enough for us to take care of. And that, that's super handy because usually that communication of getting three parties together to do make something happen is difficult. Um, and one thing I want to note for the case admin piece too is that each customer can't, it's not just one case admin, it's how many again? <laughs> Basically uh, as many as you can put. There you go. The number so is high, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's high enough that if you have that many, you probably have too many cooks in the kitchen anyway. Um, but that's, that's the point is that just because, so you could have, maybe you have somebody that has done the work in the past, you can add the other folks. You don't have to remove other people. Or maybe you have somebody that's dealing with it for, you know, your West coast offices and somebody's dealing with it for your East coast offices. They could, they could both be in there to open tickets for you. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. And I think we, you know, we've covered really, so how to set that up. And that's really an important thing. And it's all about the license admin. And I've covered on, I do my little one minute weekly updates and I covered making sure for, for companies. And I think the partners have a responsibility here too, as part of like their health check concept. I think it's not really talking about a technical health check, but make sure your licensing admin is up to date mm -hmm. because there are so many places where the licensing admin changes or leaves or doesn't even realize who they are because they happen to be the purchase. Somebody in purchasing gets assigned the licensing admin because they signed the the contract, uh, but clearly they have no idea what they you know that they're the, what the Veeam licensing admin is and the responsibility that holds. So I think that there's something there for the partners to educate the customers on as well, and what the value of having the right person is that licensing admin is. Yep, yep, you need to be either a licensed admin, a case admin, or a support partner uh, in order to use paid support. If you're not any of those things, you're not accessing paid support, um, and you might be, uh, you might hit a roadblock at an inconvenient time. So, don't uh, don't open a case when your Exchange server is crashed. You should do it now. <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. The um... Another thing that I've seen, I'm trying to think of how I want to ask this. It's not nothing, nothing tough, but it's uh, so when they're going back to those situations where they're kind of maybe not necessarily evaluating something, or maybe somebody calls in who doesn't have a partner involved. Maybe they have no partner. You know, they they bought from, you know, a big, big box shop. You know, the, you know somebody CR level where basically they're transacting. They don't have a support arm. Um, and it's not a, you know, it's not a, a high priority ticket, a system down kind of ticket, and it's sitting in the queue. I, I've seen some reports too, where it, they're kind of waiting for either somebody in support to have the time to work them, which again, guys are busy. You're not, you're not sitting there looking for pet projects to help customers per se with, with how do I make this work? And a lot of times it's, how do I make this type of storage work with Veeam to do this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And it's something that a partner could help, the right partner could help with right away. I've seen reports where um, there's that list of, of uh, customer tickets. Um, and I know that I've gone through and tried to match them up with some of my partners. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and how best we can serve them? Because I know that we're looking at it or just making sure even, it's a weird, it's a weird instance because they don't have a partner. 
Sure. But but what we, what can we do to help those folks? Because again, these are also there's partners out there. Would be like, I would love to help these folks. The flip side of that though is these people that call in with that kind of thing are usually like, I don't want to pay anybody for that help either. Yep, that can be a problem for sure. I mean, when we get a best practices kind of request, we often try to refer them to a VASB. Um, you know, somebody who's on our list, who we've got in their area, who can form a relationship with them. Um, you know, we've got a good relationship with our partners and our service providers, and we want to make sure that um, we're creating those for them as well with the customer. And so, yeah, if you are interested in being a part of that program, I'm sure that uh, there's lots of resources for that. But we refer, we use that VASP tracker uh, on veeam.com all the time to try to get somebody in their area uh, who can help, who can help them in their language, who can help them with their specific sort of level of need. So that's a list that's even publicly available. So if somebody needs help, they could go out there and search on that list themselves before they even open that ticket. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's good for them to know too, right? Yep. And if you're not a VEMA accredited service partner, um, it's a great program and we are using them constantly to help customers find places to get professional services just like that. That's great. And I know some of my partners and, and probably several of the partners that are listening to this are uh, vast partners or are looking to be part of the program. Um, it is a good program because that's something to, to drive home with that is that Veeam does not have a professional services arm. We mm -hmm. have changed that into the VASP program. So a few years ago, we did have a ProServe arm. Yep. But that doesn't exist anymore because we want channel to be working. We want partners to be working these things. Well, and we just found that there's so much about, especially like even minor regionalisms, you know, uh, somebody who's on the ground there can just help so much better. They understand where the customer's at. They can form a relationship that really helps. Um, you know, I'm in the Midwest, right? And there's cows outside even right now. And that's a much different system than, you know, somebody on the East Coast, just, you know, a five hour drive away, they could have way different business culture and they want a different kind of experience when they're talking to a partner. Yep, I can relate because uh, I live in Philadelphia area and uh, Western Pennsylvania is more like the Midwest than the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how quickly that can change. Uh, here's a question for you. Cause this is, this is, uh, this will probably be the, the last question I have for you guys. I, in my position, a lot of what I do is training and enablement, making sure that folks get certified. Um, what do you see? as a, a in the support group as do you have a lot of folks calling in i'm, I'm going to make sure I word this the way i want to word it too folks coming in that are certified and what kind of certified when somebody is veeam certified like vmce or above mm -hmm. what are those tickets like versus when you have people calling in that are maybe don't have a veeam training background well first of all vmce recipients get to skip the line in the queue which is cool they, uh, they get a code to give their call priority, which is uh, exactly what we want. Um, often they've done a lot of the first steps anyway, so uh, it just makes sense to move them to the front of the line. Um, but the, the other thing about it is that it feels more collaborative. You know, uh, we know that these people have already tried the silly stuff that we are happy to go through with other customers, but we know that those have already been done. And so I would say that, yeah, the tickets that we get from VMCEs in general, we're talking about more complicated things, integrations between different hardware vendors and things like that. We're talking about deeper configurations. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day who needed a version of their reporting server. Uh, they needed a a backup of it every 20 minutes going back five years. 
and it's like uh, for like legal reasons. Their their legal department had told them that's what they need for this one VM, mm. and it's like that's a really unique need that has a really unique configuration uh, to it. And so we are happy to help with that. But it's uh, it's a higher rigor thing, and uh, I was glad that the customer there had a VMCE that was assisting them, who was uh, really knowledgeable about what the problem would actually require. That's that's what I like to hear as somebody who's out there trying to promote people getting certified. Um, I definitely want to hear that, you know, it reduces support times. That's good on the customer side. That's good on the partner side. And not only reducing the times, but like you said, you're, it's the quality of the call. Mm-hmm. That really makes a difference. Um, Todd, any parting thoughts that uh, we could leave with uh, for the partners to make support with Veeam the best experience they could possibly have? The main thing I I would mention to them is we do have a direct access link to management if they ever feel like something's not set up right or they want um, extra priority. If they want to make sure that they are getting their discussion heard and and handled, uh, we do have a talk to the manager button inside of my.veeam.com. They can click that. If you have a case, it lets you put in the case number. If you don't, you can still send it in. It goes to every member in the support management organization. And it is designed so that if you have a critical situation and you want to make sure you know, that, that either you have the people lined up or if you just want to talk to management. And, and like Colin said, if you're dealing with something with VMware where you have a call with them, you can do a talk to the manager and say, I have a call lined up at this time. Can we make sure that we have a resource from Veeam lined up? And that way we can make sure that management's aware of it, that we have the right resource, but it just really helps that, you know, that interlocking chain of, if you have something where you want to talk to the tier two management, go ahead and send that in and they can get back to you directly. And that way it really helps us keep it efficient and keep it aligned with giving the best support possible. But, you know, we understand that the customers and partners are busy too. Everyone's got tight schedules and it helps us align resources when people need to, right? So that's an example that I saw the other day, uh, a call with somebody, you know, let's throw it out there like Microsoft or something. You want to make sure everyone's on the same schedule. Easiest thing to do, go in there, hit talk to a manager, connect with us. We can get back to you, make sure that the engineer is available, that we have a manager available, just keeping an eye on it. That way schedules are aligned and everything gets done smoothly. Yeah, we understand there's situations that fall outside the norm. Um, and uh, yeah, we just want to help in any way we can. So yeah, don't hesitate to uh, to talk to us if you need to. And yeah, you just need to have a my.veeam.com account and you can log in and talk to us. Perfect. Guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with me today. Um, I've learned more about how our support org works and that's huge. So if I'm learning it, that definitely means that the partners are going to get value from this and uh, have better support experiences. And ultimately that's what we want. We want everybody to be happy. We know that things don't work perfectly all the time. And when they don't, we want to get them back that way as quick as possible, efficiently as possible, and people would be satisfied with it. So I appreciate you taking the time for that. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care, guys. This has been Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Thank you for listening.